Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Blunt Talk. I am your host, Red, and I am joined with Checkmate State from Twitter. He goes by Kurt. So how are you doing today, Kurt? I'm doing really good. How are you, Red? Oh, fantastic. Just a busy day at work. You know, that's why we're going so late. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely understand. Busy day for me, too. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about libertarianism, I feel like for those that come in that don't actually know exactly what it is. And like I said to you before we went on, it looks a little bit different to everybody. So would you mind explaining exactly what it is in your opinion? So, yeah, I'd be happy to explain that. The way I look at libertarianism, there are several different schools of thought within libertarianism, like, um, you know, anarcho-capitalism, where you believe that there shouldn't be any state at all, objectivism, which is kind of like Ayn Rand's thing, um, constitutionalism, minarchism, classical liberalism, you can, um, you can name a bunch of other ideas within libertarianism, too. And what you'll find is usually when people define libertarianism, they're just defining, like, their narrow subset of libertarianism, right? Like, you know, anarcho-capitalists will often say oh, libertarianism is we subscribe to the non-aggression, an accurate description of anarcho-capitalism, but I don't think it's a really good um, description of, of libertarianism. So I would say it's, I, I kind of look at it as an overarching term that covers all of those different movements. Um, and it's, it's basically just people that want to shrink the size of the state pretty dramatically. And I would say, you know, want to shrink it consistently, right? Like, um, unlike conservatives who talk about wanting to shrink the state, you know, we're, we're not into like building up the, the, um, the military a whole lot or, you know, policing morality or other things along those lines. So that, that's kind of the, the overarching definition of libertarianism that I would give is it's, it's several different movements but I'm um, all focused on, you know, property rights and shrinking the state. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, it might not to, like you said, somebody on the right where, like you had mentioned, they say that, hey, we want to shrink the state, too. But in reality, it's not so much they're trying to shrink the state. It's just they're trying to get what they want out of other people, if that makes sense. They're just trying to control a different area of your life as opposed to like yeah. a Democrat. They're all. They're all seeking to control you. It's just which part of your life do they want control over? Exactly. Yeah. The, the conservatives tend to be a little bit more leaning towards shrinking the state from an economic perspective in terms of taxes and regulations and things like that. But um, when it comes to like a big military or something like that, they're definitely not in favor of, of shrinking the state <laughs> in that direction. So libertarians, that, that would be something that I would, I would say sets them apart from the um, from conservatives and and you know we could we could dig further into the different movements and what each one of those stand for but um, but you know I think I, this might annoy some people who who are listening that are maybe anarcho-capitalists or minarchists and they have their own specific um, idea of what libertarianism is but I really think the way that the word is used when someone says libertarian, that's what they mean. It's just someone who wants to shrink the government um, substantially and in every direction possible is, is kind of the, the way that I look at it. Right. And I know we had said, I know I had said before we went on where I don't adhere to the libertarian label because you hear a lot of, well, you're not a real libertarian if you don't believe X, Y, or Z. Do you think that actually hurts the movement as opposed to helps it? So, um, yes, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, I think it hurts the movement. And I also think it's like 90% of the time when people say it, it's, it's false. Um, because of the fact that what's usually happening is they're saying, hey, you're not a real libertarian because you don't subscribe to the same branch of libertarianism that I do, right? So an anarcho-capitalist might be saying that to somebody who, you know, doesn't want to defund the police or something like that. Um, saying, hey, you're not a, a real libertarian. Well, they, they are still a, li a libertarian. They're just, you know, not in the same branch of libertarianism that you are, right? And so 
that that's my biggest objection to it is is first of all it's it's wrong it's it's not accurate most of the time obviously there are situations where someone isn't a real libertarian and then second of all it's it you know for a lot of people that are just getting into libertarianism i remember when i first got into it it took me a while to work my my way around to you know the the correct libertarian position on every issue and so you know if someone said before i was ready to you know <laughs> say let's uh, legalized heroin or something like that. Oh, you're not a real libertarian. That might have chased me away from from the movement when something like that happened. So um, it's uh, it, it, it I, I don't see any advantage to doing to doing that as much as we we do for sure. Right, and I think I think um, because I know when I started looking into it, there was one that I felt like I was closer to because I. I had always registered as I believe it or not. And a lot of people don't believe it. I kind of started off on the left, right? Like I was kind of a feminist. I was my body, my choice, which as vocal as I am about abortion. Now, a lot of people really don't see me being that way. But when I, when I switched over, I went hard and I went entirely to the right. So I went the whole way to Republicanism. And then when I started looking at libertarianism, because I'm like, you guys are kind of crazy, too. And <laughs> then I saw, OK, well, minarchist. I was like, OK, that's a combination of like limited state, but it's not as much as Republican. So I'm like, OK, maybe I can go with that. And then all this stuff happened in 2020. And I'm like, you know what? Just like burn everything down and just like start over because this whole <laughs> thing is a mess. So I, th yeah, I think you're right in that a lot of people don't. And, and when they say, well, you're not a real libertarian, you're kind of pushing them away from libertarianism instead of welcoming, welcoming them with open arms and trying to lead them into, you know, full freedom. Right. Absolutely. Um, I would much rather have someone who has some unlibertarian positions, you know, involved in the community and feeling welcome then, you know, pushed away and, you know, finding a community with, you know, socialists or MAGAs or, you know, any, any other group that's out there that doesn't have as, as pure of a philosophy as us, you know, give, give them time, be patient with them as they're on their journey uh, through, through the process of working through all of the, right. all the issues they have. You know, I mean, they've spent years and years in, in state funded education. They've watched all the, the you know ma mainstream media, the the corporate media, the Hollywood is completely anti-libertarian. So you know every every message that they have is anti-libertarian. So it's going to take them a while to work their way through everything, and it, it worked the same way for me. So um, we just need to be patient and um, you know be inviting while they're going through that process. In in my opinion, well, right, because it's like it, it's almost a brainwashing because you're bombarded by ideas of how you're supposed to behave in, you know, a civilized society and the thing, the rules that you're supposed to adhere to. And when you start looking into libertarianism, you're like, OK, I'm not not sure if I'm on board with the hookers and blow stuff. <laughs> so then, then you have somebody who's like, no, 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 you have to legalize heroin. And like then the people that are coming over from being Republican, they're like, and I'm not sure if I like heroin, but they don't really understand that you don't have to like it. It's the fact that you don't have the right to tell anyone else they can't shoot up if they want to type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my biggest issue was just when I realized how many, because that was a, that was one that took a, a while longer for me to, to get on board with. But yeah, my, my biggest issue was just when I saw all the negative con um, consequences of, um, of having it, you know, uh, it banned and, and enforcing those bans and running this drug war, you know, um, it, that, that's, that's what it took for me to realize it, but you know, it, it took me a while. So I'm, I'm patient with people that realize that or take a while to realize that too. So, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I think the movement can definitely benefit from a little bit more patience in that, that direction. Okay, well, I'm going to pop a comment by Matt up on the screen. My main issue with libertarians is their support for open borders and mass migration. 
what is the stance for libertarians as far as open borders? And I know this is one particular with me because we have a welfare state and I'm not sure how that would work for Americans if we had open borders at this point. I'm not sure what that would look like for American citizens. So, so what's the stance for so libertarians? First of all, I mean, this is one of those examples where, you know, if it's something where you're not completely on board with open borders, I understand. And it took me a while to get there uh, as well. And so, you know, if you have concerns with that, that's something where I feel patience for you. Right? Like, I'm, I'm definitely not going to tell you that you're not a real libertarian. But my my personal stance is if, if you gave me control of the um, of the the immigration policy in the country, I would completely open the borders. That's that's what I would do. And I, I don't hide that position at all. Um, and and there, there are a couple of reasons why I, I feel so strongly about that. One, I mean, for libertarianism, really the most important thing for me is that I want the society that I live in to be a society where, you know, my kids can grow up and be happy and be as prosperous and, and economically secure as possible. And actually, and, and we can talk a little bit more about the economics of immigration, even, even when there's a welfare state, but the economics of immigration are, you know, they really lean towards open borders. And so um, I'm a huge fan of it from that standpoint. And the other, the other reason is, is just, you know, um, I, so for me, the, the foundational principle for libertarianism for me is, is property rights. Um, and when, when, when you um, look at property rights, obviously part of that, that property right is, is you have the ability to deny access to somebody to your property, right? If you don't want somebody to come onto your property, you can tell them no. Right. But I, I think just as important as, as denying them access is inviting people onto your property too, right? So if, if somebody, if, if there's a government policy that is uh, pre preventing you from inviting somebody that you want to invite onto your property, and it could be, you know, maybe to rent the property, it could be to be a customer, it could be to be an employee um, or to, to sell the property to them. If the government is preventing you from doing that, that is a violation of your property rights. And so, and so for that reason, you know, any, any policies that the government has for their, you know, standing at the border and saying, hey, you know, Kurt can't invite this person from Mexico onto his property, you know, that, that is a violation of my, my rights. And so, um, and so that's, that's kind of the foundational principle that I have. For, and we can talk a little bit, I mean, does that make sense to you? We can talk a little bit more about the, the welfare um, situation too, because I know that's a very common concern that people have as well. But it, it, does that make sense what I talked about so far? I, I think it does, because essentially what you're saying is if you as an American, like, let's take you and I for an example, because I'm not entirely where you are with open borders. OK, so let's take sure. you. You are an American citizen and you feel like because America is essentially your property because you live here. If you want to have someone from Mexico come here, want to, quote unquote, your property, it is a violation of your property rights if the state is telling you no, and I am telling you no. Is that is that essentially well, what you're saying in a roundabout way? No, I'm I'm. It's a little bit different, so I'm glad to, I'm glad okay. you asked the question because okay. um, I don't believe that America is my property, right? Um, I just believe that well, that's, my. I was trying to explain property. it. I was trying to explain it in a yeah, way that yeah. maybe other people. <laughs> sure. No. No, but I, I, I do want to make sure that it's clear because I, you know, I, I have no authority at all to tell you that you have to let somebody who lives in Mexico, you know, come onto your property. That's that's um, not authority that I have at all. I don't own that property. It's not part of my property. What I what I have authority to do is invite them onto my property specifically, right? Um, and so that that's the the concern that I have is that they're preventing me from having the ability to invite that person who, you know, who um, I want to be able to, to come on to my property. They're preventing me from doing that just because they happen to live in Mexico um, at, at, right now, right? And which is which is kind of an arbitrary way to, to limit my property rights. Um, so I, I hope that clarifies things a little bit more for you. Does that make a little bit more sense or? Yes, and that's essentially what I was saying. It's just, I did it in a different way than what you would have 
but ultimately I okay. think we meant the same exact thing. Like if you wanted to invite someone from Mexico to your home or into your actual property, other citizens yeah. shouldn't be allowed to deny you that right because it is, like you said, your property and you should be able to have whoever you want onto your property. Right, absolutely. And I think, you okay. know, I, I mean, uh, I, I think there are so many people that would love to have these um you know, these immigrants on their property, you know, it might be just to rent them the property. It might be to, to um, hire them as an employee, um, you know, and, and every one of them that wants to have, you know, somebody else come or somebody from Mexico coming onto their property, their, their property rights are being violated. And the, the people who want to come from Mexico, their rights are being violated too, because, because they're not having the opportunity to accept that invitation. So that's kind of the foundation of why I believe that, that open borders is the correct libertarian position. Okay, I'm just gonna say something really quick. Um, Trippy, as far as your libertarians get way too utopian so socialist with borders, could you expand on that so I can actually bring up that an actual question? Because I would like to know exactly what you mean by that. Um, okay, and I know Matt said how can you support open borders and import people into the country that do not support free speech, gun rights, or libertarian ideas? Like where, where does it come with that? Is that more like these are the guidelines that we adhere to and you kind of got to get on board with that? Like what, <laughs> I see what he's saying, but I don't know where you are with it. And I don't even know how to answer that question. So, um, that, that is a completely valid question. What I would, I would recommend looking up is, um, oh, there, there are two economists and I, I'm having a hard time remembering their name. I'm looking it up, but um, they have done a lot of research on, on that situation. You know, when there is a large number of mass, uh, you know, uh, like a mass migration from another country and maybe, you know, it's even a country that isn't, um, that, that has, maybe socialist tendencies and things like that, are the, the immigrants from that country, are they bringing, um, are, are they bringing, you know, the, their uh, maybe socialist or uh, um, un-American institutions with them, their third world institutions with them and turning the countries that they come into uh, more, um, uh, more socialist or, or more third world. And, and really the, the evidence that they have um, is that the, the opposite happens, right? When, when there's more migration, first of all, you're having people that are coming and there's kind of a selection bias of it, right? They, they're coming to this country because they appreciate the, the institutions of this country. And so, you know, they're gonna be supportive of it, right? Like, you know, um, Cuban immigrants come from a communist country, but they're the most anti-communist voters in the country, right? Um, and so you can see things like that. Um, and uh, um, and so if, if your goal is to kind of support the, the institutions that make America great, um, really the best way to do it is to have more people coming in that can support it, right? The, the real threat to our institutions aren't from immigrants, right? We don't see immigrants at, uh, on college campuses, you know, <laughs> um, protesting speakers or you know, pushing mm -hmm. intersectionality or anything like that. It's, it's the people that are already here. We need people that are going to appreciate our institutions for what they are because they, they've experienced what life is like without those institutions coming here um, and, and um, helping us to support those types of things. So it, it, I hope that answers this question, but um, it's uh, the, 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 definitely the trend is when there is a level of, a higher level of mass migration, the, um, Welfare state shrinks, support for socialist policies shrink, um, union power shrinks. So it, it really is a, a, a positive thing from a libertarian perspective to have more immigrants coming in. Okay, that actually makes a good bit of sense because if they're leaving these countries that, like you said, have socialist tendencies, they're leaving them because they have socialist tendencies and they're looking at America like, hey, we can finally get away from that. And I think maybe what we could do is kind of have a, um, a foreign exchange type of situation, right? Like where we have these immigrants that are coming in like, hey, we really love America. And then, and then for every one of those we have come in, we can take a leftist and be like, why don't you guys switch places? 
Because I think leftists, yeah. from the way you explain it and the way that I see America heading right now, and I did put out a tweet, I think, and I really do, I really think leftists are the ones that we have the most to worry about right now because yeah. they are into that socialist stuff because they've never lived it. Whereas immigrants that are coming over from these places, they're like, hey, communism, socialist countries, they suck. We don't want to be here. We want to go to America. And I think they would be more willing to fight because they have lived it. So I think that's a really good argument. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and I would, I looked up the uh, the name of the, the communist or the, the economists that, that do the research. Um, it's Alex, and I'm now Resta and Benjamin Powell, they've done a, a lot of um, research on what the actual effect of immigration is. And it's, it's almost positive, almost always the case that the welfare state shrinks after immigration um, instead, of, instead of growing afterward. The, the, the only exception that they've seen um, is, uh, is actually Israel. Israel, when they get more immigrants, their welfare state grows, but besides that, they really haven't seen any examples of other countries where after mass migration, the immigration, or the, the, the welfare state grows at that point. So, it, it, I mean, if, if your goal is, hey, I want the welfare state to shrink, the best thing that you can do is have more immigrants coming in uh, based, on, based on historical trends. Okay, and, and the people that you mentioned or the research or whatever, could you send that to my DM so I can look at that then? Yeah, absolutely. I can send some information okay. to you about that. <clears throat> and also, I'm going to bring up, I'm not familiar with this, and I'm not entirely sure what Matt is talking about, but he does say, I have evidence looked at what happened to California when it was flooded with mass migration. Now, I'm just, before you, you're even going to say anything, I just really feel like I have to bring up the fact that, look at California itself, like how California runs. It's just, it's a mess. And I still think we need to push it into yeah. the ocean. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> but I don't know what your thoughts are. And I'm not exactly sure what Matt is getting at. I don't know exactly what he means as far as California goes, as far as the migration. Maybe you have an idea? Because I, I didn't look enough into it, I'll be honest. Well, I mean, definitely I don't want the, the rest of the country to go the direction California is going. Um, but I just don't see a, a, a major causal link between um, between the, the immigration and California going socialist, right? Like the socialists in California are people like Gavin Newsom, who is not <laughs> an a immigrant by any stretch of the imagination, right? The, the immigrants that are there are, they, they um, do tend to vote Democrat, right? So um, I, it, I, I understand the concern there that like, hey, maybe because they're voting for Democrats, they support all these, these socialist policies, but honestly, I, the the best evidence is actually that the reason they vote Democrat is because Republicans consistently act like they're not welcome here, right? Um, and so I think just from a a, um, a strategic standpoint, it really makes a lot of sense for libertarians to go out and, and attract voters um, in in those demographics that are maybe turned off by some of the the weird excesses of the the left, you know, like the Latinx and <laughs> all, all the things that, that they're doing that um, are annoying to those demographics. But, um, but you know, someone who says, hey, you're welcome here in this country. We want to open up immigration. Um, I, I think that would be a winning message that libertarians could, could use to grow the movement into some of those demographics um, to learn the lesson from Republicans who pushed those, those Democrats away in the event. Okay, so what you're saying is if there, if there is actually an issue with migration in California, it could be because the immigrants are being welcomed by the Democrats as opposed to the Republicans. So ergo, they're going to vote more Democratic because then family they might have in the country they just left would be more welcome. So obviously they're going to want their family to come here. So they're going to be willing to vote for the party that's saying, hey, yeah, welcome, come on in, kind of like that. And, and it might not even be, you know, it might not even be a situation where they want to, to have their family come and follow them. It might just be that, hey, I mean, I wouldn't vote for somebody that, may, you know, acted like I shouldn't be in the country. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I think it's it's just, hey, the, the fact that they 
um, didn't push them away. Uh, they didn't act like they were, you know, socialists coming in to infiltrate the, com- the country or something like that. You know, that might be enough to um, to make them say, hey, these are the people, these are my people, right? These are the people looking out for me and, and vote for them for that reason. But, but it could also be part of what you're saying too, where they, they have family left behind and things like that and they want them to be able to, to immigrate as well. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is libertarians need to steal the immigrants away from the Democrats. (laughs) (laughs) I would love for that to happen. That would be a fantastic outcome. I don't, that's not why I support the um, open immigration. If if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But um, I I think from a strategic standpoint, um, being for open immigration is, is a good strategy for libertarians to adopt as well. So uh, the, the reason I support it is because I think it's the right thing to do and because it's good for the economy. Uh, but, um, you know, from a strategic standpoint, I, you know, that's, that's just icing on the cake. Okay, and I know this this is going to be the last one we bring up as far as immigration goes because you kind of spent a lot of time on that. And the only reason I'm even doing it, Trippy, is because you were already on my podcast. So I know you came from a foreign country. So... Let's just bring this up here. I'm more or less saying what Matt was. My evidence is just anecdotal, but mass majority of immigrants I know and am related to vote left and very left. And I, I, I think I, I'm so sorry if I get this wrong, Trippy. I'm thinking Nigeria, but I, I could be wrong. And please don't call me racist. <laughs> I don't remember. But he did come up from a foreign country. So I, I, I guess foreigners that come over they can kind of see <clears throat> so I don't know where we go with this because it's kind of the same thing do you still do you still believe having seen Trippy say something like this that it's more beneficial to have open borders well so I mean my question is what is the underlying principle here is it that hey um we, I, I hope I, I made the case that by uh, by restricting immigration in <laughs> Kenya, you racist joking. Okay, I'm sorry. Grants and property owners that are here, right? And if if the um, if the underlying principle is, hey, we're okay with violating property rights in order to get the election outcomes that we're looking for. I don't I, that that principle seems a little icky to me, right? Like um, because right. once once you start doing that, you know there are a lot of directions that it could go where you it could get a lot uglier than that, right? Like hey, you know, are we going to restrict immigration from other states? You know, if if there are certain demographics that tend to vote left, are we going to? Is it okay to like force them to have abortions to prevent them from having more kids? Um, that that are going to vote left, things like that. You know, I, um, I, I just think the underlying principle is even even let's say that that Trippy's right, and you know, uh, immigrants do tend to vote Democrat, and there's something maybe in their their you know cultural makeup or genetic makeup or something like that 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 causes them to do that. I know I know he's not saying that it's it's something about their genetic makeup, but you know, look, just for the sake of argument, let's let's pretend that there is. You know, is the 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 underlying principle that, hey, it's okay to violate the rights of people who want to invite them onto their property because of that, I, I, I don't think I accept that underlying principle. But, but the, the truth is, like I said, the overwhelming trend is when there is a, a growth in, in immigration, that does tend to shrink the size of the welfare state. Um, and, and, and there are two main mechanisms for that. One is get much weaker, right? And they're, they're a huge... Um, aspect of growing the welfare state, and then the other one is, I mean, honestly, it might be even a little bit like uh, a little bit of racism, almost like, hey, you know, I don't want these immigrants getting welfare, right? So, so welfare benefits tend to go down, and so you know, when when you look at the historical trend and say, hey, when there is more immigration, that means that the welfare state shrinks, and and that is one of my goals is to shrink the welfare state. That's that's a big reason why I'm in support of of having open immigration as well. Does that make sense? Yes, and that is fair enough. So let's move on to, and here is one I have an, I don't know if it's so much an issue with. I 
I think I'm confused on, and I know a lot of people are, as far as police go. And let me explain my issue with it, and then you can explain how it would work. Because I'm not, I've heard the arguments, and I'm still not entirely sure. Because I heard, well, we will privatize state, or we will privatize the police because then they're not, essentially, they're not adhering to the state, right? Like the state is the enemy, so we don't want the state having the police. So if we, if we privatize the police, that would be more like a, um, a voluntary type of basis where people kind of pay for the police, from my understanding. Now, if that would happen and they are privatized, how would, say, the poor people, and I know I, I, I sound like a leftist when I'm, like, worried about the poor people, but say there's a person that can't afford that kind of protection, it's almost like, would they or would they not lose the right their own life if they can't afford essentially protection or the police if they were privatized like how would that work in a libertarian world how would that work with police are you there I think I lost you did I Red I think I'm losing you Okay, I'm here. Are you still there? Hello. Okay. I'm still here. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you now. It's like a Verizon commercial. Did you did you hear what my question was though? Hello? Are you there? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it's breaking up pretty bad on my end. I don't know if there's something going on with my internet connection or something like that. But um, no, I, I think that is a valid question. Now, um, my my take on it is is maybe a little bit different. I, I don't consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. Um, that would be kind of the, the anarcho-capitalist take on it. And I, I actually think it would probably work out okay, probably better than the, the system that we have right now. But um, kind of my my take on it is that we can uh, like the, the Declaration of Independence says, right, the the government gets its power from the consent of the, the governed. And I think it is OK because we have the, the, the right to defend ourselves. I think it is OK for us to delegate the right to defend ourselves to the state. Right. Um, and so I, I don't have a problem with the state having a police force. What, what I think the, the biggest problem with the state police force, though, is that um, it creates kind of a special class of people that aren't responsible for their actions, right? So if a police officer, uh, you know, uses excessive force or um, they um, uh, maybe uh, shoot somebody that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't deserve it or something like that, they are... Um, they're not financial. And so um, it, one big thing that I think would make a big difference would be to change that, right? To, to change police so that they're not a special class of person where they are financially liable for the, um, the, the damages that they do. Um, you know, uh, getting rid of, of no-knock raids is, is a huge concern. Um, Another big issue is um, is uh, civil asset forfeiture, which which essentially is just theft. You know, they they suspect that your property was used in a, a crime of some sort. With really, they don't have a very low um, threshold of evidence that they need, and they can take your money and your your vehicle and your property um, without really any court uh, any legal recourse for you in those situations. So, so I think that those are, are major changes that need to be made, but I I'm with you, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily in favor of abolishing the police completely. Um, I think that that is a valid function of the government, but it, we do definitely need to make some major changes to it with the, the amount of violence that we're seeing. And that, that that's going, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Um, also, 
Matt had said, I'm not sure what he means as far as Camden, New Jersey, but apparently they got rid of their police union and it allowed them to go after bad cops and hold them accountable. I'm not sure on that. I don't know if you are. I definitely have to look into that more to see what he's talking about exactly. But did you hear anything about that? No. Yeah, I've, I've read a little bit about that. Um, and that seemed like a really great model to me too. It was kind of like, they, they um, essentially like, abolished their police department and started over from scratch and they didn't have all the entrenched interests that were involved in it. From what I've heard, the results were really good. So I think that would be a, a step in the right direction. I think getting, but, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I mean, getting rid of um, qualified immunity and which is, which is the, the policy where uh, police aren't responsible for their actions, essentially financially responsible for those actions. I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. That's probably the biggest area that I would, I would be looking at is, is getting rid of those types of things. And, and the influence of the police union is a huge issue too. So a hundred percent on board with what Matt's saying about Camden. Okay. So maybe getting rid of the police union would be a step in the right direction for all, all areas to do that then. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent on board with that. All, well, all yeah. public sector unions should be uh, abolished. <laughs> Well, unions are awful. And I know I got in a, I got in a back and forth with someone about unions because they brought up like it was, of course, a leftist like with unions. Well, are you against unions? I'm like, of course, I'm against unions. I'm like, they protect bad workers. Why would I not be against unions? They don't protect good workers. And I think the same would go with police, police unions. They would probably function exactly the same way. They'd protect the bad ones as opposed to the good ones. Yeah, absolutely. No. and and. I'm actually, I, I think there's room for nuance on um, on private sector unions, right? If, if it's for a private company, um, it, as long as it's voluntary and as long as the union isn't doing anything violent, then, you know, that's that, that there should be any problem with that. But in a lot of cases, you know, it isn't voluntary to join the union, which is a huge problem. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, state intervention to give the, the unions more power than they would have otherwise. And there is, unfortunately, a lot of history of violence with unions, too, where they're, you know, attacking people who are the picket line, uh, you know, uh, doing property damage to factories, um, you know, other things along those lines. So, so those are the big issues that I have. As long as it's voluntary and as long as they're not violent um, and are using the state to uh, to give themselves more power than than I'm 100% on board on with it, but that's that's very much the exception to the rule, not the uh, not the rule. Well, I know it doesn't have to do with police, but like <clears throat> as far as the union thing go, just a little quick kind of deviation from our conversation. My mom has actually been an engineer and one of the first female engineers in our area to oversee a group of employees and the problem with the union was anytime she would try to fire someone for not showing up to work um leaving early the union would actually protect the employee and they couldn't actually fire this person who was not doing their job so yeah i'm pretty against unions and i don't know what it would look like as a volunteer type of like a voluntary type of thing it might work i'm not sure Anything voluntary. If you want to go into it, I'm all on board. If you don't want to, you shouldn't have to. Yeah, absolutely. If there, there are people who want to join together to bargain collectively, that's perfectly fine. But um, yeah, if the state is forcing you to do it or if they're giving you special privileges for doing it or things like that, that's something where it's, it, it's a problem. And I think that's where those abuses come from a lot of the time. I don't think a lot of those abuses would take place if the union didn't have all that extra power that comes from the state forcing people to join it. Okay. And I, <clears throat> I have to touch on this subject. How does libertarianism, and I know this is one of the conversations that we're very split on. How does abortion mm -hmm. work as far as libertarianism goes? Because to me, it's a violation of the non-aggression principle and I believe the only function of the government that we have should be to protect rights. And one of the first rights that all rights stem from is the right to life. So what is the libertarian stance, in your opinion, as far as abortion goes? 
Is that something the state should uh, be able to come in on or should they stay out of it? So um, I, I, I have a, a little bit of a nuanced opinion. I actually agree with everything that you said there. I believe it's a violation of the non-aggression principle and that if the state does have a valid function, it's to protect people's you know, life and liberty and property. And um, that's, so that would be a valid function of, of the state to do it. I do think, you know, I mean, one point that a lot of libertarians make is that there are some really negative, maybe unintended consequences that come with, um, with banning abortion and with the state getting involved in enforcing, enforcing abortion restrictions. And so that is something that I think about, uh, you know, as far as whether I want the state to get super involved in, um, in, in preventing abortions, you know, I, I'm hesitant about that, but at the same time, you know, your, your point is completely valid that it is a, a violation of the non-aggression principle. They're killing an unborn child and using force to prevent them from doing that is, I think it's a valid use of force. So <laughs> you, you won't get too much objection from me on that subject. <laughs> Okay, so I know you don't 100% want to just say, right, because you're a man and it'd be like, you're not allowed because you don't have a uterus. But I have a uterus, so I can say you can't. Um, <laughs> okay, I guess we don't have to spend. Go ahead. I, I, I don't know whether that's my objection. I have no problem telling someone with a uterus that, hey, if you kill the baby inside the uterus, you're killing a baby. Um, that, that, that doesn't bother me too much. But um, I, I, I just worry a lot about unintended consequences of things. There are a lot of things that you can do that are justified, um, that are still dumb to do. <laughs> and and I, I wonder sometimes how much abortion is one of those things where getting the state involved could be one of those things where the unintended consequences um, are, are severe and maybe even outweigh the, the benefits of getting the state involved in that. In, in that process, just because there's there's so many um, so many issues that can come up with that, so that that's the only that's the only concern that I have with it. That's it. But oh, like I said, it's okay. not going to be something that I'm going to fight over over it too much with anybody. <laughs> if they if they want the state involved, I'm I'm kind of on board with it, just a little hesitant for those reasons. Okay, so let me play a little bit of devil's advocate, right? Because I'm pretty, I'm pretty pro-life on all my stances. I'm probably one of the few pro-life people that is, right? Like I am, I am anti-war. I am anti-abortion. I am anti-death penalty. So let's let's put it in the framing of um, the death penalty, right? Um, should the state have the right to determine who lives and who dies? If the state doesn't have the right to determine that, then how can the state justify killing an unborn baby? How can they justify doing that in, in libertarianism? Like, how can those two things go together, right? Because it still is kind of a death penalty that they're getting involved in where they're like, yeah, it's cool. Totally cool. You, right. you had sex and now you're pregnant. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. It, it's essentially the same thing, isn't it? No, I, I agree 100%. I see you left this all the time that like, they'll point out the hypocrisy of conservatives like, oh, you say you're so pro-life, but you're pro this war or you're pro, you know, you're, you don't, police brutality doesn't bother you or you're, you know, <laughs> um, you're okay with the death penalty. And they are, pointing out valid hypocrisy, but they're ignoring the hypocrisy that they have themselves, right? Because, you know, they might be opposed to the death penalty, but be in favor of killing an unborn child. And it, it, the, the position that you hold, I think, is perfectly consistent. And it, I agree with you 100% on every one of those issues. I'm completely against the death penalty, completely against war whenever possible, unless it's very much a defensive war. Um, and yeah, um, it, it, police brutality is another one of those things that we were talking about too, where it, it's something that um, leftists will try and call out hypocrisy when conservatives don't worry about those types of things. But it's both sides are being hypocritical in that that argument. Mm -hmm. the, the consistent position is to be opposed to all of it. Okay, so let's touch on the the death penalty. Um, what are your issues with the death penalty? I know for me, I don't. 
I'm just not comfortable, right? Because the state is already corrupt. I see that and I've, I've, I've gotten 100% on board and behind that 100% with 2020, that was a mess. <laughs> Let's never repeat that year again. But if the state is so corrupt, why are we giving them, in my opinion, why are we giving them the right to decide who lives and who dies? Because how many times have we seen someone put to death and then later evidence came out and they're like, oh, they were innocent. Whoops. Like that's kind of my yeah. issue. I don't, I'm not comfortable giving the state the kind of power to decide who's going to die. I'm just not. And I, I know, and I don't, I don't know where you are with that. I've, I've heard somebody say, well, it's a jury of their peers, but at the same time, when you go through a court system, right? Like you have attorneys arguing both points. My issue with the court system, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were 100% right just because you won that. It's which attorney did a better job, which attorney lied the best. And I, I'm not comfortable with someone being put to death because their attorney was better, the state's attorney. What, what are Absolutely. your objections to the death penalty? Well, I think, I think you explained it perfectly. The convictions get overturned all the time. And so um, it's ridiculous to assume that they're, they're perfect. We, we already know that they're not. And so if we're killing people that don't deserve it, that's, that's a huge concern. I mean, I, I actually, I grew up very conservative. And um, I remember in seventh grade, I was in like a debate class. Um, and I was fully pro, uh, pro death penalty at the time. And I got assigned to research the anti-death penalty thing side of the, the argument and mm -hmm. it was obvious to me even in se at seventh grade when I actually researched it there was really no good argument for the death penalty first of all they they have many times killed people that were innocent um second of all you know it's it's not cheaper a lot of times people think that it saves you money to not have them in prison but because of you know the extensive appeals process and and um other other things that come with the, the death penalty it's actually like you know, a, a death row inmate actually costs the state like uh, I think it's like four or five times as much um, compared to a, a, you know someone who has a life sentence. Um, and so it, I, I just don't see any really good argument for for uh, trusting the state to to do something like that when I, I don't see any major benefit to it either. And some people say that the, the benefit would be. Um, you know, that it gives closure to the, the victim's family. And, and there may be some benefit on that side of things. I, I personally actually have a hard time understanding where, where that benefit comes from. Seeing somebody else die helps you come to closure with your own family member dying. I, I mean, I've heard accounts of people that actually struggle with that emotionally afterwards. Um, but they don't get the closure that they were looking for. So I, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to come up with an argument in favor of the death penalty after after researching that. Even like I said, even in seventh grade, it was it seemed pretty obvious to me that there was really no reason to continue doing that. That was actually my next question, but you already answered that. Is because I know I heard I heard um, especially Republicans. So that's a good argument to bring up. So if you have any actual research or areas I can look at as far as it costing less for them to be in prison, I'd love to read that because I know it would help my argument because I, I, I've seen that from Republicans are more, <clears throat> are more on that. Well, it's going to cost more to keep them in jail for the rest of their life as opposed to, hey, let's just kill them. And that sounds very barbaric to me because it doesn't bring back that life, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bring them back. No, absolutely. If, 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 if some people do feel some closure, I, I, um, I hope that, that that is a positive aspect of it, but I have a hard time believing that it's going to be something that's going to make you feel a whole lot better after something like that took place. That's, a, that's such a terrible situation to be in, and I feel so sorry for everybody that's, that's in that situation, but I, I don't think that, that justifies possibly killing the wrong person in order to give you a little bit of, of closure. And, and I, I'm sure if, if my own kids or something like that were 
we're, we're killed. You know, maybe I would feel a little bit different, but I'm sitting, I just can't see <laughs> the, the justification based on, on everything that I've, I've seen as far as the cost and, and the real possibility of killing the wrong person. Right. And I think, I think a lot of my, my views are kind of stem from being a Christian. So I just, I can't, I don't know. Like when you say bring up like someone killing your kid, like the human part of me is like burn that motherfucker. You know what I mean? But like the Christian yeah. part of me is like, God looks at these sins essentially the same. Uh, obviously they look a lot different to humans, but it's right. It, life, life is either, either important to me or it's not. And it, it's, that's one of the things I go back and forth with. Um, and I know, I know Matt brought up, did Red ask about the roads yet? <laughs> and I know it's a joke. <laughs> it's a running joke with libertarians. So, you know, I, I have to ask you, Kurt, if, if libertarianism takes over the world, who's going to build the roads? Like, how would that work? And I'm joking, <laughs> but I'm not. Because I feel like a lot of people ask this question multiple times like do you drive on the road do you use the road do you take your car and you drive to work on the road like who pays for the road uh, the, yeah no i'm with you i feel the same frustration <laughs> it seems like that's the automatic knee-jerk reaction um and and it doesn't seem like that big of an objection to me either you know i mean um businesses they lay down asphalt uh, in a flat surface in a parking lot so that people can come to their business, right? Um, and they allow people to use that parking lot for free. Um, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't, you know, if they, especially if they aren't being taxed and, you know, have those resources taken out. I, I don't understand why they wouldn't, you know, kind of stretch out that parking lot a little bit and turn it into a road so people can actually drive to the parking lot. It seems, it seems like there would be pretty obvious incentives for, for businesses to build roads. I mean, the, the neighborhoods um, in, in my area, a lot of them are private neighborhoods. And what that means is the, the government doesn't build the road within the neighborhood, right? The, but the, nobody would buy the house from the developer that builds the neighborhood if there wasn't a road that, that drove up to the house. Right? <laughs> um, and so the developer builds a road, right? Like, like there isn't any state required um, intervention to take that and make that happen. So it, it seems like a, a silly <laughs> argument for sure. What, one thing that I do to conceptualize it a little bit too um, is I, I think um, maybe we're, we're focusing on the wrong thing. I think it would be pretty easy for, you know, without tax funding for, for roads to be built. I mean, we can, we've already talked about some pretty obvious mechanisms. And, and obviously another one is toll roads. That could be another one. But I think, you know, um, we're, we're maybe using the, the feature for the benefit, right? Um, we're, we're confusing the roads for the benefit that the road provides. And, and I think, you know, if we left um, transportation up to the free market, um, I think transportation could be much cooler than just roads that you're driving on, right? Like, I think that might be what we're really missing out on is is what ways that the the free market could innovate to get us from one place to another um, that isn't just a, a flat black surface, right? Um, uh, because th there isn't a whole lot of reason for the free market to go out and, and innovate in that space because the state has taken over that that um, that aspect of our lives, you know, the, the ability for us to get from one place to another. And they, there just hasn't been any innovation on that since the interstate highways were built basically, right? Like once, once the state went out and did that, you know, we, we get the same, or we get from one place to another the exact same way that people did in the 1950s. And, you know, I, I would have liked to see some innovation on that. And I think we would have probably seen more innovation on that if the state hadn't, hadn't taken over that process and, you know, forced people to pay for, for their specific system. Um, and so I, I hope that answers your question a little bit more about why <laughs> transportation would be so much better without the state being involved in it. Well, it kind of does. I mean, if I, I don't know if you're 
familiar with, I, I, I am from Pennsylvania. Like if you look at the condition of our roads, these are state functioned roads and they are a mess. My car will be damaged, like just going to work with the potholes. I would think, like you said, the free market would be entirely better at making smoother roads than the state. The state can't do anything right. When the state gets involved, it messes everything up. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, like I said, I think we, we narrowly think about the way that we transport ourselves right now. But if the state wasn't involved, I think there could be some really cool ways that you're transporting people around, you know, like, hey, if we don't have roads, maybe we fly places, you know, um, maybe maybe there's more train travel involved, maybe, you know, uh, more commercial jets. Um, the, I, I think of like some of the things that Elon Musk is messing with, with, you know, tunneling under under cities and um, and building hyper is it the hyperloop you know stuff like that the, those types of things seem really cool and I and I think there, there's a concept in economics called crowding out where when the government takes over a process um, that, that it crowds out private investment into that area and I think you know transportation is one of those things where the government has completely crowded out any sort of you know private investment into transportation and that is you know that we're missing out on some really cool things really cool ways to get ourselves around um that that would be coming from from the free market um if if they weren't crowding out those private investments okay so i think i think kurt handled the roads issue that <laughs> everyone seems to have okay well we're coming up on the hour mark so what i will pose to you is I have a lot of <clears throat> conservative following and I know I have a lot of Republican following. What are, I don't have many leftists. I have a few of them. Um, and I know, I know Democrats and Republicans are so far apart, but I really do feel, and I, I, I put that, I put that tweet out. I, and I had said to you before we even went on, I think the MAGA crowd is really close to libertarianism. 2020 kind of showed them what the state looks like. And a lot of them are even mad at Republicans. The Republicans that are holding the House and that are in the House, that are in Congress and everywhere, they've kind of showed their true colors. So what are, and Republicans, and I, I hate to say it, a lot of libertarians are gonna disagree with me, Republicans are closer to libertarianism than the left are by far, in my opinion. What are Republicans missing that you think would be beneficial to them in libertarianism? What, what do you think the benefit of them switching from Republicans to libertarianism? What, what do you think the benefits are? Why should they switch? Yeah, so that's, that is a, a really good question. I mean, for me, like I said before, libertarianism is all about creating the society that I want my kids and my family to live in, right? Um, and, you know, I think libertarianism answers that question, right? I, I do not want my kids to be spied on by their own government. I do not want them to get drafted into a war to, you know, that's really just there to, to benefit um, oligarchs, right? Um, I don't want them, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I want them to have the benefit that, that the economic benefit that comes from, from open immigration, which I think is a really valuable benefit that, that a lot of libertarians and conservatives both miss out on a little bit, um, you know, and, and, um, and, and the thing is, too, I mean, the biggest thing for conservatives is, is I just don't understand how they trust the Republican Party after they've broken so many promises, right? They, they tell us all the time that they're the party of fiscal conservatism, and then they get into power and they add $7 trillion to the debt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're, if you're doing what you've always done, right, you're gonna get the results that you always got. So if you're, if, if you're just gonna stick with the Republicans and um, hope that you know, next time around, we'll get the right people in there and they'll actually do what they promise. They'll actually be responsible spending. They'll actually end the wars. Um, you know, they'll actually protect our gun rights. Uh, you know, other things along those lines. I, I, I think that's 
you know, that's that's foolish. I don't think that that is likely to happen just based on the history. So my biggest thing is, hey, we just need to look somewhere else and find a solution because just continuing to go with the Republicans, obviously, it's, it's not going to work based on, on the past history that they already have. Did that answer your question? That was, <laughs> that, yeah, that was a lot better than anything I could have said. And I mean, I I know libertarians are, and I, I'm the same way. They're, Republicans and Democrats are different sides of the same coin. I realize that. I see that. But I would be remiss if I didn't say there are major differences and there are more Republicans will be able to swing to libertarianism than Democrats. Like, like I think I think we should be honest with that. And I think a lot of libertarians should be a lot more willing to have these conversations with people who disagree with them, because a lot of the people, especially like I was when I was I, I leaned to the right. It was just because the left was so fucking nutty right like they were just insane yeah. i'm like i don't want anything to do with you and we've just been so set and brainwashed to be like okay you're a democrat or you're a republican like those are your two parties and i didn't i didn't realize back then that i had other options right like i didn't know there were third parties back then i was young i was naive i was stupid but now that I'm seeing it, I'm like, okay, there is this middle ground where we can agree with some Democratic positions and we can agree with some Republican positions and like come together and be like, get away from those other two. They're both fucking crazy. <laughs> like both of them are nuts. Well, I agree with you. I think that it's pretty obvious that Republicans are um, are more libertarian leaning than than Democrats, there might be some exceptions on the margins, but I think that's that's absolutely true. Um, it, but you know, I, I mean, you, your point is you were at one point a leftist, and now you're maybe not willing to call yourself a libertarian uh, completely. But but I would say that you're a real libertarian. Um, Don't so, say that because <laughs> then people are going to say no, you're not. <laughs> well, I am the official. Uh, I, I get to decide. I'm I'm the the official decider yeah. of who is a libertarian and who's not. And you are have now been officially labeled a libertarian by me. <laughs> but, um, the, I will uh, tag you on any further <laughs> arguments. So yeah, absolutely. I will. I will. I, if, if you go on my Twitter, you will see a lot of tweets where I typically tell people that they are real libertarians just to try and counterbalance the the common thread of saying that they're. They're not libertarians, which, like I said before, is I, I believe is inaccurate in most cases. But um, the, the <laughs> but I, I do think that there is some value in in focusing on on the right because that's where we're going to get the most people in. But also, um, you know, reaching out to the left as well when when we have the opportunity. And and the truth is, um, I have this this really crazy idea. Um, and and um, if if listeners want to go to my Twitter page and look at my Substack. There's an article on my Substack called Guerrilla Politics. And I actually believe that libertarians have enough libertarians in the movement already to make a real difference. Um, <laughs> I think maybe sometimes we focus a little bit too much on recruitment and not on using the, the people that we already have to make a difference. So, um, you know, that, that would be something that if you're, if you're interested in how we can make a difference now without waiting until we convert a bunch of Republicans over to libertarians. That might be something that will give you a little bit of hope for, for the future. If you, if you read that, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me, Oh, Hey, this, this could actually work. You know, this is the first time I've been hopeful about, um, about using, uh, the, using elections to, to make a difference. Um, that might be something that would, would give you a little bit more of a, uh, a rosy outlook. <laughs> right. And I know, I know there are Republicans, well, people that call themselves Republicans that I have seen that are actually libertarian and they just don't realize it yet. Yeah. And I see that no, a lot. I, I agree. Yep. Okay. That's, one last thing before we go. And I, and, and I have to do it. Can you be a socialist and be a libertarian? In your um, I say no. I'm sorry. So, I flat out say no. I, I think it's possible. 
But I think 99% of the people that claim to be a socialist libertarian are not socialist libertarians. The, the only possible scenario would be if it's like, hey, I'm, I want to live in like a socialist commune voluntarily, but I'm not going to force you to be in a libertarian so, uh, or a, a socialist commune, and I'm not going to steal your property <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm forming this commune. That, that's the one scenario where it could be, but most of them it's either like, hey, you know, they really want Medicare for all. They really want, um, you know, they, they really want to seize the means of production from from the capitalists. And, and um, they, a lot of them want to force you to kind of live under their socialist umbrella as well. So so <laughs> I would say 99 percent of the time when you talk to a socialist libertarian, they're not a real libertarian as far as the way I would I would define libertarianism. But it is possible <laughs> to be a socialist libertarian under those very narrow circumstances. Wow, we're going to have to continue that conversation another time because I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, Kurt, well, is there, any, is, there, is there anything else you would like to add before we end this tonight? I think that's it. Um, follow me on Twitter, Checkmate State, and uh, I, think that's, I think that's everything. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been awesome. It's been fun. And I think I have a lot better of a take. And I think you and I agree on quite a bit. So that's, that's fun and interesting. Now I know I'm a libertarian, but I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not going to say it. Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. You have Don't officially received the title. <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone thanks for yeah, thanks for tuning thanks in for all right guys have a good night